No. From a young age, we're taught that no is a bad word. No, you can't do that. No's shouldn't defeat us. They simply keep us headed in the direction we were going. Maybe the right path is behind a no. Maybe it's in the opposite direction. But when pursuing something ahead of you, a no, in most cases, doesn't really change much. It doesn't set you back. It doesn't determine your value. It's just a no. Let's stop fearing the word no. Because when you stop fearing the word no, you start going after all of the possibilities for your life with the possibility that one of those darts you're throwing hits the board. Maybe not the bullseye, but it sticks. See, no is just the same to you as if you never even picked up a dart, never applied for that job, never sent that email, never introduced yourself. It's just right where you started. You have nothing to lose. Hello everyone, welcome back to Crazy Enough. And if you're new here, welcome to the family. I'm your host, Joey, and this is a show dedicated to sharing the stories, experiences, and perspectives of people doing really cool things. My guest today is awesome. Her name is Micah Mitchell, and she's a videographer I've had the pleasure of working with on a few projects that I've produced. Additionally, I've crossed paths with her at weddings where I was DJing and she was filming. And I just mentioned that to say that she is an amazingly talented individual, but she is also very kind, very humble, and just a great human being. Without further ado, here's episode four of Crazy Enough. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Crazy Enough. I'm here today with Micah Mitchell. She's a videographer, um, a great one at that. And so, hello, Micah. Welcome to Crazy Enough. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. So tell us just briefly kind of about yourself and what you do. Yeah, I am a full-time freelance videographer in Midlothian, Texas. Midlothian, where is that? (laughs) I think it's like 25 minutes south of Dallas. Okay, cool. So yeah, for those of you who don't know, that's where we're currently recording this, Midlothian, Texas. But we're basically DFW South. Yep. So was videography always something you wanted to do? It wasn't. I actually didn't get into videography until later in life. I grew up playing sports, loved basketball, thought I was going to play basketball professionally and maybe even coach it one day. So was there something that like deviated you from that path or? Yeah. So I ended up having to have open heart surgery when I was 18 years old. And so that put a quick end to my sports dreams. What did you decide you wanted to do at this point? Did you have anything in mind? Yeah, so at this time I was uh, at DBU, Dallas Baptist University, for college and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I had a degree in Christian studies and kind of didn't have a plan for the rest of, yeah. Yeah, pretty common as as we've learned here. Um, So tell me about your first kind of exposure to videography. Yeah, so I was working at a camp in Colorado. At the end of the week, we would show slideshows of photos. So during that, as I was making those slideshows, I started putting videos in in the mix of it and realized I really liked the whole process of filming and making people happy to see themselves at the end of the week. And yeah, I really fell in love with it. So you're doing this on a regular basis now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, every week. So every week for a summer? Yeah. So I think it was like three summers. Yeah. Cool. And you mentioned like, I think this is cool to hit on. You mentioned specifically being like really happy with the product and what that product did for somebody. Yeah. It, it, it brought joy to people and it was uh, meaningful and people could watch it the rest of their lives. And yeah, really yeah, loved for it. sure. Just curious. Did you have a camera of your own at this point? I didn't. I think I was using the camps camera. And then whenever I came back to DBU, I think I bought a Canon 
T3i, Rebel T3i. Yeah, so you decided, like, I want to do this. Yep. Like, at least I want to have a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about, like, this kind of changed your path at college. What did you decide was the next step? Yeah, so after camp, I came back to DBU and changed my major to communications. I knew I loved that type of world of all things uh, video and broadcast and didn't know which direction just yet, but I knew I wanted to get in that world of some sort, yeah. So how did you start incorporating video into that in college? So as I was, um, I think I was taking a video editing class, I think my professor approached me and said, hey, I, I know that you love sports and we have this really cool uh, video producer job opening coming up in the athletic department. Would you like to apply for that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I got to start making highlight videos, promo videos, and just capturing all sports. Yeah, for things. sure. Yeah. Were, were you getting paid for that? I was. Okay, so yeah. even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you get to you're doing this a lot now, right? Like how many hours would you say you're putting into video now? At that time, I think I was a full-time student plus a full-time student worker. You're getting to explore what you love but also get paid for. That's kind of the dream there. Yep. So tell me about, you know, like I guess I would imagine that they want a certain level of quality, but for yourself, I'm sure you have a different kind of bar that you want to hit. For quality and for innovation and all that, like, is how are you balancing that idea of this is all I have to do, but this is like what I could do? Right. So at DBU, I was told to do a certain thing and make a certain product, and I kind of had to stay in my lane mm. and keep inside the box of like this is how DBU makes videos and this is how we want it to look. And then on the side, I was kind of making a little bit more vibrant and upbeat videos, and so I I found that I was making my own style on the side, mm. and then kind of kept going into that world a little bit more without even realizing it. So you're doing the videos for your your job at this point, but then also doing more for your own creativity. Yes, I started filming weddings and events and uh, mini documentaries for my church and uh, interviews, yeah. So you were doing videos for like a lot of sporting events. Of course, you have a knowledge of sports. You know, did you find that that was like a nice way to kind of utilize this longtime knowledge or passion for something? Yeah, I think it gave me a little bit of a step ahead than I would have had if not knowing sports and not knowing where the ball was going to go and sure. how it was going to be received and knowing that the crowd was going to cheer at this point and things like that yeah. kind of came naturally to me. So I think it um, was really helpful that I stepped into the video world in a sporting world that I already knew. It's a testament because you probably didn't you know, think at the time, you know, when you're faced with the reality that you're not going to play yep. sports professionally. So at this point, you're making videos at school, outside of school. Are there any that, you know, projects from this kind of time period that stick out to you? Yeah. So I actually got asked to go to India and China in the same year as I was still a student at DBU. So for the India trip, it was with my church and we were capturing an adoption story. A little boy was going to be adopted in India. We wanted to tell that story in hopes that other people would want to adopt as well. Yeah, for sure. And then my roommate is actually from China at the time and she was getting married back in China. And so she flew me out and I got to film her wedding all the way in China. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's great though. So you're starting to see your videos, you know, like the quality is obviously improving. You're really finding your style, your, you know, your technique. Um, when do you see this as like, I can do this? Like I, like, I really see that this is possible. I can, I can make this a business. After college, I, I was editing for a lady at the time and I realized what she was doing, I could be doing. Mm. And so I quickly was like, I just need to 
up my game a little bit more, practice my skill set, figure out how to do this glide cam thing and separate myself from all these quote unquote videographers. So Mm. I think it was at that time I was watching her run her business and it kind of put a fire under me to do that for myself. Yeah. And so I think it was at that time I I started realizing my videos are better than hers and she's doing this Mm. full time. So why can't I do this full time? Yeah, for sure. So you have somebody you can see that's that's already doing it that kind of, you know, gives you the the inspiration like I could do this. Just curious, were you charging for people for the videos you were making at this point? I think I was charging very little at the time. But now that I look back, I'm really thankful that I wasn't charging a lot of money because I was getting more and more practice and more and more in my portfolio that I couldn't have gotten if I was um, charging a lot of money. So you don't think, just curious, you don't think that if you had charged more, you would not have gotten the amount of work you did? Uh, It's hard to say. I personally at the time didn't think so, but a lot of people tell me that I undervalued myself from Mm. the start. So I'm not really sure. But it, it all worked out. I mean, yeah, it still gave you that experience. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. I mean, I think like I definitely went through the same thing as a DJ. It's hard to judge like at what point is too much, at what point it is too little. Like I need to, if I'm making this a business, I need to, you know, make it a business. Right. And, you know, most people don't realize how much money goes into running a business, even if you're just self-employed. But I like how you mentioned, you know, you had somebody to look look at and at least say like, you know, even though there's things that they do well, I could do these better. How, you know, was that just self-awareness? Was that, did you have outside input? How did you know where you needed to improve? Yeah, I think I was pretty lucky to have family and friends that were really honest with me. And I would ask mm. them, what do you like about this video? And they would constantly say like, oh, it's pretty good. And I'm like, mm. well, that's not really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to like, get better. Can you tell me what I need to get better in? And so they weren't like jumping up and down watching. No, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, they, I mean, they would always be like, oh, that was so great. And then it wasn't until I realized, um, oh, wow, I'm not the best videographer in the world. And when I kind of humbled myself and was like, well, there's a way to get better, even mm. though I think my stuff is pretty good. It, and then it's funny now, like I used to think my stuff was really great. And now I think everything I make is trash. <laughs> sure. Like I just want to fix it and make it as... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think I, um, once I started realizing that I needed to stop looking at other videographers' work and start looking at my own and see the small little things I could change mm. for the next time, um, it wasn't until then that my work started getting better. So not comparing what you were making to somebody else saying like, I'm not as, as good as they are yet, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm better than what I did. Right. And I think I started having more of a vision of what I wanted my work to look like. I wanted to be natural, cinematic, draw people into the story. And and once I knew my end goal, I was able to get there quicker. Yeah, that's really good. So you were focusing on you, Mm -hmm. like focusing on what you wanted to make. Right. In talking and kind of on the same theme with comparison, I mean, obviously, it's a very easy thing to compare ourselves to everybody and anybody out there. You know, from I, I think to music, and I think musicians that are getting started, and you know, you may write, write a great song, and then you hear a song on the radio, and you're like, "That's amazing," but it doesn't mean like you're not making good work. But I'm curious when it comes to say like competition, you know, between like, you know, obviously, there's a lot of photographers, a lot of videographers out in the world. Do you feel like you have to compete with other people? And like, especially, you know, you're in this college sphere of like doing, say, weddings, for example. And, you know, a lot of weddings happen from college. And, you know, do you feel any like pressure to compete with other people? Or like, are you kind of being forced into that at all? In college, I would say absolutely yes. And there was a lot of people doing video work at the time. Like, we were able to because we had. We had school going on and then we had a lot of time. And so a lot of people were picking up a camera saying they were a videographer. And it was kind of frustrating, actually, because yeah. <laughs> I was actually a videographer. Yeah, because you're over here like actually putting in 
countless hours. Right. And I think it actually stunted a lot of my being able to charge more because people could get a friend to do it and be okay with it, you know? Mm, And so who knows if they regret that decision now, but um, I realized I had to really separate myself leaps and bounds more than I was. Mm. And that kind of sparked something in me to get better, to learn my stabilizer better, to learn how to color grade, learn how to use Adobe Premiere instead of Final Cut and just different things like that. Yeah. Yeah. At what point do you start to see your business like taking off to where you're considering, you know, taking it on as a full-time job? I started working at a co-working spot called Common Desk in Oak Cliff area. And I started getting clients out of there. And another lady who was like a manager at the time told me about an editor position for a lady in Dallas. And so I started working as an editor and then started beginning my own uh, full-time business. At this point, so you're editing content for other people, like things that people have filmed? Yes. So uh, she was a family style videographer, so she gotcha. would um, take people's old footage and make it into new. Do you feel like that was improving your skills? I think so. Uh, there was more times often than not that I got tired of editing rather than like fired up about it. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a good indication of like, I probably should just move on if yeah. this is like dragging me down. And I found more that I was uh, drawn to my style of editing than hers. And so... So it was a good indication that like, this is not the path. Right. This is not the thing I want to do. Yep. Is there anything that you struggled with from whether business perspective, motivation, anything like that early on? Yes. I didn't really know how to work with clients very well. I enjoyed people, but just kind of saw them as a client. And Mm -hmm. um, I think it wasn't until I switched that mindset of like caring about their product, wanting to know their story beforehand and wanting to to work with them from beginning to finish of taking care of them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until then that I started being a better business person. So I know, you know, starting out for a lot of creatives can be intimidating. Was there ever a point where you just felt like I'm not good enough to do this or like I'm not good enough in what I'm doing now? Yeah, that, I think that was like my biggest enemy for the longest time is my my own brain <laughs> mm. telling me like you're not good enough. Why are you even doing this? Even though you were like you were clearly better than a lot of people. Though. See, I, I didn't know that at the time. I just gotcha. honestly enjoyed it that much that I kept doing it. I would constantly think my work was not that great. But you mentioned earlier like just part of you know your philosophy is staying humble. Like it's that balance between like there's room to improve, but I'm also doing well. You know you don't let it get to the point where you're full of yourself and thinking I'm amazing and nothing to change. Was there a point in your timeline that you started to shift and think like, no, yeah, like I am good at this. Like this is, this is what I'm meant to do. Yes. To an extent. <laughs> I think there was a time that I was like, okay, I, people are coming back to me and asking me for, to film for them. And there was a time that I was like, I really like this actually. I, I kind of want to keep going down that world. Like that, that route of like cinematic smooth footage. And I think there was a time that I like gave myself credit of like, well, this is this is decent. Mm. I still want to improve, but there was a point that I'm more confident in my work than I was. So it sounds like, you know, you, you were getting in your head a lot in that earlier time, like questioning yourself. Was there any outside opinion or forces that you were listening to or just, you know, that discouraged you? Yeah, there was um there was one professor, I won't say names obviously, but he was just talking one day about making it in video world and he was kind of talking about like Hollywood is the only place you can make make it and mm. you'd probably have to move to California and all this stuff. And it was just kind of daunting of like- He was saying that to you? Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. And he was like, you would have to move there and get into that scene before you could make it. And he said, uh, if, if anybody's going to make it in Hollywood, it'd be this girl. And he didn't mm. say my name. Gotcha. And I was, it, it lit something in me and I-, yeah. I 
wanted to prove him wrong probably. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but I think from that point on, I was pretty determined I was going to make it work here in Dallas. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. In, Mid- in Midlothian. Midlothian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's clear to me, like obviously those outside opinions, you know, they mean little to nothing at that point. But obviously, you know, you take the good, you leave the bad. Um, was there anything that was just uh, maybe some positive recognition, some validation? In one of my video editing courses in college, I remember we had a project of going and filming a 30-second commercial. And so I took some friends down to the pond at DBU and we made a Eno hammock commercial. And it was just like a fun little outdoorsy mm, yeah. thing. I had one of my friends do the voiceover. And so after I edited that, we went back. We had to show our videos to everybody in the class. And our professor would go by each one and out loud say the critiques he had for everybody's. Ironically, he couldn't he couldn't come up with anything. He told me to add more text or something to my video. And it was one of the most encouraging compliments I could have gotten from his mm, lack of yeah. critique. And so I think at that point, I was really encouraged of like, Wow, that that means he thought it was good. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Overall, in your college experience, was there anything that stuck out to you as particularly valuable, like a class or like a specific, you know, routine or like the fact that you did, you know, video work or what was the most valuable thing to you about your time in college? It was for sure the experience as a video producer for the athletic department. There wasn't really a class that stood out to me or anything that a professor said that was just sure. out of this world. Yeah, you know, um, it was mainly the work of yeah. Doing it over and over again. Doing it over and over again. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Any um, any early on mistakes that you remember that you have learned from? There was a time where I was filming for my church and we had a girls retreat and I spent the whole weekend um, filming from like 8 a.m. to like midnight. And um, at the end of the camp, I was like going on a trip to Austin, I believe, and I was editing in the car. Don't ever do that. <laughs> I think I bumped my uh, hard drive and all of my footage Oof, got deleted. Not good. And my stomach just dropped and I was on the phone with some guy in Beijing for like 24 <laughs> hours trying to get it wow. back. <laughs> okay. Good to know. He found it actually. He found it. Wow. What a guy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so you got it back. Yeah, I did. But you learned a lesson, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 24 hours of just sickening. Yeah. It's I, pretty oh, rough. I've had that feeling. Mm-hmm. Goodness. It I mean, it sounds like it's it's good that that happened earlier than sooner than later. Yeah, you know? for sure. Always uh, back up your hard drive, people. Always back up your data. That isn't <laughs> An infinitely good lesson for everybody. <laughs> is there anything you wish you could have told yourself, your college self, starting out on this journey? That is a really good question. I think I would just tell myself to stop doubting so much and mm. be a little bit more confident. Not so much fake it till you make it, but just actually be confident in yourself. And sure. that's when the true work starts to happen and your personal branding starts coming out quicker than if you doubt yourself over and over again. Mm. Yeah. yeah. One thing I'll add to the conversation here is um, I've had the privilege of working with Micah professionally a few times now, and I will just say she is one of the kindest, most humble people, and it comes through not just in the work, but just in the process of making it happen. And so I appreciate you. I know JoJo appreciates you and all of the people that you know I know have worked with you. Um, it says so much because you're a talented person, but you're also a very kind person. And oh, like thanks. that's a, you know, it's like you can be the greatest at something, but be a complete jerk. And it's like, nobody's going to like that. You know, right. that's not going to get you far. So I just want to say that I appreciate that for sure. Now that you're kind of here on this, you know, I don't want to say the other side, but you know, you're past a lot of those early hiccups, if you will, of, of starting a business, of running a business. Um, any other practical things that you'd say to somebody like that, that doesn't know what they're doing yet? You know, what do they need to learn? Um, you know, what should you, what should you research? What, who should you hire? Yeah, I, I would say just start making videos. 
just over and over, go out and film your backyard, go out and film your grandparents because you'll want that footage the rest of your life. Um, the more you do it, the quicker you'll fail faster. And that, that's we kind of have to get comfortable failing. And a lot mm. of people don't like that. They just want to get sure. it right the first time, you know? And so the quicker that you can learn from your own mistakes, the faster you'll realize if you even want to do this for a living. Some people, they find that they don't even like it. Yeah. What about like the the businessy stuff? Like looking back, you know, like this is important, but you know, maybe didn't focus on as much. Yeah, I I got a CRM, which is like a customer relationship mm. management thing. Um, uh, I I would have done that a lot sooner. Mm. <laughs> I'm horrible with keeping up with invoices and don't don't really like charging people. So it kind of gave me an in between fake person, and so that kept everything organized for me. And I I would have done that a lot sooner. So I'm curious about this because this is a question I normally ask musicians, but I'm curious on the video world if it applies. Have you ever been offered like recognition, quote unquote, or like exposure? If we love that word, right? Exposure. Do you evaluate those opportunities ever, or do you do they mostly just go to the side? Uh, too many times to think about, actually. Um, which is fine. I understand people's reasonings behind it, and. I still actually do free videos to this day because if I find it valuable enough or it's going to add to my portfolio, I mean, like, why not? Sure. Or if it may- means something. Like, yeah, yeah. If it's meaningful and helps other people, like, for sure, I want to be using my giftings for a good. But yes, there was there was so many times where people would ask me to do things like in exchange for something pretty small or like mm-hmm. social media exposure, and really that doesn't help me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, hashtags get me further than that. Yeah, really. <laughs> and hashtags are free. I'm sure now that you've you know had more experience in this industry and you know your your work is clearly speaking for itself. I'm sure people have reached out to you asking for advice or for tips. What would you know? How do you how do you typically go about those situations, or what would you say to those people? I actually really like when people reach out. I, I was that person who tried to reach out to some well-known videographers in Dallas, and mm. nobody responded. Really, it's quite awful. Um, so I, I wow. never want to be that person. So I will try to help as much as I can. But the thing about it is I can only help you so much. So mm. what I tell people that are wanting to be a videographer is like they, they have to just kind of put in the work themselves. Yeah. And I told someone, I gave them like a week to do something of like, go out and film a tree. Like who, who knows what you can do with a tree, you know, like yeah. go film a tree and then have that video for me in a week. And they didn't do it. And that kept happening over and over. Like people mm. would reach out and I say, Hey, go film this and get it back to me in a week. And it was like things they wanted to film. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was giving them a horrible task and it would never happen. And I think it's because they probably just didn't like the product and didn't want to show mm. me a quote unquote professional. And so yeah, yeah. it kind of made me sad because I, I realized like they had to take that first step for themselves. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you handed like an opportunity mm-hmm. and it's and it's up to them to like run with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that just wasn't happening. So, yeah. Did you have anybody that did it? There was one girl who would try and then she ended up moving to like Rhode Island or something. I was <laughs> gotcha. so bummed because oh. I was going to like have her come on as a second shooter and I yeah. had helped her, trained her up a little bit. And um, yeah, so I'm still looking for a second shooter, by the way. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> shout out. Yeah, if anyone, you know. Um, any other thoughts just for creatives in general in any profession? Um, just something that's been useful to you. It takes a lot of work to get here. A lot of down, up and downs and a lot of defeating moments and it just takes time. <laughs> and I think that's what people don't really want to hear. It takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert on anything. So if you're doing that, it, if you're thinking through the math of that, it's like you're doing that eight hours straight for three years, like mm. minimum two and a half wow. years yeah. before you can even get be considered an expert in anything. 
So I, I would just say like, you have to put in the time, you have to put in the effort. I spend most of my evenings watching tutorial videos <laughs> and things to help me grow. Still, even today. Yeah. How do you define success for you? What is that? What does success look like? That is a loaded question. I think as long as I'm like, sounds so cliche, being kind to other people and caring for other people, as long as I'm happy doing what I'm doing, and that usually comes with caring for my clients and actually caring about their product. Before I was caring about their product, I just kind of saw them as someone who was giving me money. And that's never good. That never yeah. ends well. And I learned that the hard way, I think. The moment that you're satisfied in your work is usually when you're caring for other people. That's good. Absolutely. Anything that you have on the horizon or things that you would you know, aspire to do, what do you want to see yourself doing in the future? I would love to start filming more documentary style videos, uh, whether that be like passion projects. Like for instance, I, I shot one video for three to four years and just posted it this past Oh wow! Month or so, yeah. And that was one of my favorite videos to film. What was that one? It was a uh, a little boy that came over from Haiti who was uh, going blind, and I got to tell the story from the moment he came to the airport all the way to the point where he actually got adopted and is wow. living here in Midlothian. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good segue. Where can I mean? I'm sure everyone's going to go want to watch that video, but where can we find you online? www.micamitchell.com, and that's M I K A. Well, Micah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for telling your story. I'm sure a lot of people will find it encouraging, inspiring to do more and to pursue those passions of theirs. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Joey. I really had fun. Well, make sure to check her out, uh, Micah Mitchell on Instagram and michaelmitchell.com if you want to see some of these amazing videos. And that is going to do it for episode four. Such a great story. So many good practical tips. I especially love when Micah talked about comparing your existing work to your previous work to know how you're improving. Getting inspiration from other people, but resisting the urge to constantly compare your own work to people far more established and frankly, just different than you are. Y'all are not going to want to miss the episodes that are coming up. Seriously, I couldn't be happier with the way season one is shaping up. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear every single episode. Drop a rating on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. And connect with us on social media. The show is at crazyenough.podcast on Instagram. And I'm at Joey Poor. That's J-O-E-Y-P-O-R-E. Until next time. Bye.